right now, if you actually stop to think about it for a moment, your online presence really is your only presence. It's the only place that you exist as a business. Hello, and welcome to SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsay Groper, president at Blast Media, and I will be your host and bartender today. Simon, thanks for joining me on SaaS Half Full. Very, very nice to be here. Are you joining me for a drink this afternoon? I think it would be um, terrible not to. And as my wife always says, it's six o'clock somewhere. I'm actually really proud of myself that this is my first drink of the day. I'm having <laughs> I'm having a Tito's and grapefruit, and it's out of a cup that says Spiral Squad on it. It's from a friend's birthday bash in Nashville last fall. I'm home right now. I don't plan on spiraling, so I will I'll try and keep it to one drink. I'm actually thinking about it. It's 2.41 in a global pandemic, and it's Friday. So, yes, for sure, I'm drinking. I'm going to pour myself a drink. Before we dive in, Simon, can you give us the quick elevator pitch for Saros of why do you guys exist? It's interesting because I'm working a lot at the moment on um, our messaging. And one of the things we've been working on is just you know bringing our messaging up to speed with everything that's happening. But as a business, we're essentially in uh, in the software business, giving people the tools, platform, and um, sort of education and inspiration to create digital experiences, rich digital experiences, anywhere in their sales and marketing funnel. It's a design platform that helps people create content. Um, we're just helping the folks that are doing that a lot, a lot already and those that are looking to translate over into a more digital-first mindset, we're helping those. But it, but it's core. It's a software product in the browser, in the cloud that helps you design and create digital experiences. This digital first is now digital forced. And it is uh, going to be interesting to see how marketers sort of fundamentally shift how they think about their brand experience. Um, something that you said in the past is that there's no place for arrogance in the modern business climate. And that the biggest brand mistake that people make is continuing to talk at their customers and not with them. Can you unpack that for us? Absolutely, yeah. I think, and again, it's, it's, I'm trying desperately not to make everything COVID-19 related, but it's just so incredibly true right now that, uh, as I said, trying to sell out one of the kids, ain't nobody got time for that right now in terms of the bullshit marketing speak. No one just, there's no time for it. Everything's just become so much more visceral and real and all of the bullshit and hullabaloo is not relevant. You want to get right, right, right down to it. And I think that's kind of, um, you know, where we find ourselves because of uh, the current situation. But I think as a whole, I've I've tried very hard over the years to be that way in the way that I've gone around business and tried very hard to make sure that, of course, it's a dialogue between myself and customers, but also that we're, you know, we're not talking at them. We're, we're talking to them about what we can do to help them. And um, that's more relevant now than ever. Something that you said last time that we spoke was around throwing a digital dinner party and how in your experience, how vastly different companies treated their offline experience versus their online experience. Can you walk through that analogy for our listeners? The, it's, a, it's actually, the, the analogy is pretty easy to understand is that... And, and again, given where we find ourselves, and, and I'll repeat what I said earlier, right now, if you actually stop to think about it for a moment, your online presence really is your only presence. It's the only place that you exist as a business. But as an individual, it's also the only place that, you, that you're actually interacting with your, your customers and your colleagues. But if you, if you think about um, the analogy of a restaurant and you think about going to a restaurant, when you go to a restaurant, sure, the food is important. 
and that you'll, dra- you'll judge the, f- the, the restaurant on the, on the food. But the overall experience is what makes you go back. And that's everything from how it looks, how you're treated, how your interactions are, what it, you know, what, what, what the ambience feels like, how it's lit, what the choice of um, furniture is. All of those little tiny ingredients go together to make an experience a good one or a bad one. And we like to think that typically as humans in the physical world, um, it's, it's become very clear you tend to only remember the ones at one end of the, of the spectrum or the other. So you will say, I had the worst experience yesterday at a restaurant, or you might say, uh, I had a terrific experience at a restaurant. You tend not to remember the mediocre middle, stuff that doesn't shock you into thinking it's awful or impress you at a level that you'll never forget. You ignore the mediocre middle. And everybody accepts that about the physical world. And some people would listen to us when we would wax lyrical about this before COVID-19. And they would say, yeah, I think I hear you, but I'm moving on. I'm going to cut on with my life. Where we find ourselves now is everybody seems to have woken up and realized, oh, fuck, 100% of our interactions with our customers happen online. And it turns out that the digital experience, whether it be our website, um, a PDF we send them, a landing page we push them to, a PowerPoint presentation we expose them to, it doesn't matter what it is, they often suck. They're awful. And people were willing to accept that and have been willing to, to accept that. And we've been on a mission to change that. And as a result of everything that's happening right now, uh, that's changed. There's a lot of commentary around using content in the customer journey and, and when to serve up certain content and keep the, the prospect moving. But there's very little talk about what that content is actually saying, what the experience is. So there's like less focus on the content, but more on how to use it. And that seems backwards. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think the, um, I mean, it kind of dovetails into the word, you know, the term experience. You, you do actually experience that content and, and, and the way in which you express yourself digitally um, has often been restricted by the way in which or the tools that are available to express yourself. So if you go all the way back to caveman times, all we had was, uh, you know, a rock and we would scrape on the wall as best we possibly could. And over time that got more sophisticated and paints were, you know, paints using, you know, inks and blood and, and berries were created. And then over time the paper came along and then you were drawing and writing on paper. And then over time the printing press and so on and so forth. And the internet has been with us for quite some time. But the tools that allow individuals to express themselves on the internet are kind of disconnected from the individual trying to express them, if that makes any sense. So, you know, as an individual with a paintbrush, you pick the paintbrush up and you paint. The internet's not like that. It's not like that because you can't pick the paintbrush up and paint yourself. You pick the paintbrush up and some engineer steps in front of you and says, hold on, you, 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 I, need, I need to code that. I need to understand what you want. Let me go away and program that. Let me, let me put that into a template that you don't really like. And all of your expressiveness is ripped away from you. And that's kind of a crime as an artist or a creative. And because we think creativity is really important, we try to strip that back and put the tools back in the hands of the creative individuals so they can express themselves in today's medium, which is the internet. Who traditionally owns the content experience and who do you think should own the content experience? I think the marketer thinks they own it. I think the designer wants to own it. And I think the IT people really own it. 
because it's typically requiring your developers to go in and actually make changes or make anything happen. Sure, yeah. Like I say, you pick up the brush, you go to put it on the on the canvas, and someone jumps out from behind the closet and says, Oi, stop. No, you can't do that. It's got to be like this. Put it to the right. Move it down there. Oh, that doesn't comply. You can't have that. That doesn't work. It's awful. And how does Saros bridge the gap between all, all of those owners? We, we've removed the need for coding. But we've removed the need, the need for coding in an incredibly unique way in the sense that we haven't removed the need for coding by restricting the amount of creativity you have. So typically, when you think of the, the, the removal of coding, you might think of a CMS. I don't need to code. I can open a template and I can add two images, six pieces of text and you know, a link. Sure, you've removed, the, you've removed the need for coding and the person that wants to express themselves can, but they have to do it through a templated page. What we've done is said, no, the creativity is the most important thing. It matters. Your ability to express yourself creatively in that digital canvas is what is paramount. The technology should not get in your way. It should empower you. How have you been seeing your customers use the platform um, in response to the current climate? So I think you could answer that question um, with, you know, sort of three three key points. Number one, um, they are responding with more urgency, the, the urgency than they ever have been before, because it's their own, you know, like I said, their digital presence is their only presence. And I think um, the other thing that they're doing is that they're recognizing the need for the content that they're producing to have a human and genuine and authentic nature, which means it needs to feel right, which is about how it looks, moves, and interacts. And I think that's because they recognize that if you're not having any physical contact with your customers and prospects, the digital interactions you have have to be human and connected. And I think they are, at least from what I can see, you know, there's increased urgency, there's increased desire for empathy and, and, and human communications, and um, I think frequency, but more of it. Is it bothersome to you that it's taken something like a national pandemic for a lot of brands to, to understand that? Yes, it really, really, really fucking irritates me. <laughs> I'm in the middle of a of a of a of a sort of a positioning tweak for Seros, which is going to be put together and, and, and start to come to life next week online. And I was saying to the marketing team recently, it's it's so frustrating because it's like we were metaphorically standing in a park, almost like a crazy person on a soapbox, speaking to the importance of your digital experiences, human connections, how you know many, 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 many touch points in a brand's or a customer's life cycle with your brand happen in a digital space. We were almost like the crazy man or woman on a, on a soapbox in the park. And some people would drift by and look at us like we were lunatics. And many people would stop and go, this person's got something to say, I'm going to listen. What's happened in the last seven weeks, which is, which is why I'm rushing to re readjust my messaging, is everybody's woken up. They're not even in the park anymore. Because if I was waxing lyrical that you you needed to go and buy these digital hamburgers in the next you know in the next town, they're not even in the park anymore. They're in the next town. They're there already, and that's the shift I'm having to make, which is kind of irritating. It's like I've literally been saying this for seven years, and then overnight the world's woken up, and as a result, I look like we're out of date in terms of the messaging, which is absurd given the circumstances. <laughs> pause here for a minute and re-emphasize the importance of always thinking about your customers first. I've spoken with many SaaS marketers recently, um, including our clients who are really gun shy 
to communicate anything to the media right now in fear of being tone deaf or seeming self-serving. And it's understood, right? I mean, this is a highly sensitive time. Um, And yes, are we looking at everything with a more critical eye? Sure. But shouldn't we always? We've been counseling our clients on how to communicate to the press in a way that talks about your customers first and thinks about their needs first. But that's really how we should always be communicating. We don't want to communicate anything that is truly only self-serving. Even something as simple as a press release, if you're communicating the what, you need to really also understand the why behind it. And your why is what's important. And that why should always serve the needs of the customer. It should always focus on the sensitivity to what their struggles are and their pain points. And it, it, it is a shame that it has taken a national pandemic for a lot of companies to, to take that critical stance and critical look at their own content, at their website, at their communications. Uh, but hopefully that this will change for the better and that moving forward, all communication content will be looked at as what is this doing for others versus what is it doing for me and my brand. Um, So let's get back to it. I want to hit the conversation again with Simon on why creativity matters. I was just writing some copy today and it says headline, your brand needs digital therapy. Now put down the banana bread and pay attention in a world where your online presence is your only presence. A bad digital experience could destroy your business. Move fast, act now, and get the help you need. I think we're starting to think about is how we can be more authentic in our communications and how we can cut through the the bullshit. And I think in terms of what, what I think as a team, as I've sat down with, and we have a reasonably large marketing team at this point, there was a separation. There was the events crew. And then there was the brand crew, and then there was the digital team, et cetera, et cetera. It was always kind of, it's, it's always been kind of stupid for the last five years to say, oh yeah, there's a you know, there's a digital team inside my marketing. It's all fucking digital, dummy. It's like, come on, really? And that's kind of what I've been doing recently, is saying over the last two sort of couple of two, two, two or three weeks, is saying, no, no, no. Events think of as community, because Actually, that's really what it is. It's bringing people together around a common goal in a digital or physical space. It doesn't really matter. And you look at you look at brand, and that's clearly ninety percent digital, if not one hundred percent digital, right now. And then the digital team are really just the experts to understand how the cogs move and the wheels move and the pieces move to help make it all tie together. And then you start to look at partnerships, and that and that all dovetails in. And then of course PR, which you know a few things about, how that all layers in. But I think. Fundamentally, I think it's not digital first. It's just digital, dummy. It's like it's not, there isn't anything else. And right now, there literally isn't anything else. Um, I want to shift and get a little bit more tactical. If you are traditionally putting out content that is more static, uh, PDF driven, there's not a whole lot of experience to it. And then you shift to using a platform like Seros, making your content more Um, experiential and impactful. How do you measure the success of that investment? Or how do you, in general, measure the success of your content? It's an interesting question. And it's one that I wrestle with, because the answer to that question is unfortunately a question, which is, what is the content for? What is its purpose? 
if you don't know the answer to that question, I can't answer your question. So and I think that's oft, often missed by people where they'll produce content, whether it be an ebook or a PDF or, or any other thing, a landing page, whatever it might be. And they forget. They forget why they've created it, what its goal is. So I think it's difficult to answer exactly how you would track success if you don't know why something exists. Now, of course, if the point of a, of, of a piece of content is to capture an email address, you know, I'm, I'm putting together some content and making a landing page to capture an email address, you could, I would argue wrongly, say, well, I'll just see if using the, this more experiential content gets me more email addresses. I'm not sure that's the right thing to do, though, because what you should do to start with is say, why do I collect email addresses? Not the fact that you have to. Why do you do it? Uh, because I need to get more leads. Why? Because I want more people to know I exist. Why? So I can sell them some software. Why? So I can help them. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. And if that mentality makes its way into digital marketers, Saros is just a tool that you use in that quest, in a quest to build better relationships, provide more value, connect with your customers through whatever service or product it is that you offer. Saros is just a way to do it, at which point it's about how well your brand leverages something like Seros to create better experiences, to create you know more of a human connection. And those things don't fit in an Excel sheet, sadly, or at least mostly they don't, because I can't tell you how you feel when you see my content, because I'd have to be in your brain and I can't do that yet. But I do know that in the physical world, no one asks that question. Because if you take the analogy of making a better digital experience or making a better physical experience, if you owned a restaurant and I said, I have a professional interior design team that can bring in incredible furniture, electronics, uh, restaurant automation systems, and um, make sure that your restaurant is the best experience ever. It's going to cost you a million dollars before you launch your gigantic steak restaurant. You wouldn't say to me, how do I track the ROI on that? You just wouldn't. It would be a, a, a ridiculous thing to do. So what sofa you buy, what reception desk you choose, what lighting you choose, they seem natural things to do in a physical experience. The same should be applied to your digital experiences. It doesn't have to be a pixel that you track or a form that you feel. Is it providing you as a business with the function and the output and the goal that you want for your customers or prospects? Is there ever such a thing as too much content? Yes, period. <laughs> content for the sake of content can go fuck itself. <laughs> How do you know when you've hit that threshold of too much? Would you read it? Would you engage with it? Do you want to experience it? Is it adding any value or are you just playing some dumb SEO game? If that's the answer, then stop it. Do you think that there is a disconnect between the content creators and the the CMOs in terms of how much and what type of content should be produced? I mean, are we, are, are, are the doers just content machines? Yes, absolutely. 100%. Yes. It's one of the worst spaces that we end up, you know, we're a relatively large company at 220 people or whatever. And there are a lot of folks, you know, in the customer success arena for us and in the, um, the new business and sales arena that, will bump into an individual who, through no fault of their own, is just delivering PDFs that they put behind landing pages. And the disconnect between that person and the mission of the business and the CMO and the directive that they give them is so big, it's it's dumbfounding. And, and what I mean by that is if you say to that individual, fictitious human X, 
what, what, why do you do that? They say, I don't know. I just make six PDF. I have to make six of the ebooks every month. That's, that's what I do. And what a tragic situation that individuals that are expressing themselves and creating content to connect with humans have no fucking idea why they're doing it. It's terrible. So if you could be the voice of those creators for a minute, what do you, what do you want to tell the CMO? What do you wish a CMO understood about content? That's a good question. I think I wish that they understood that every piece of communication that you produce, every, every, every expression that you create should be brought forth with intention and purpose. And to not do so is obtuse. It's wrong. Don't do that. It, it should provide a service to your customers and your prospects. It should fulfill a creative out, output for you and your team. And it should speak to the values of your company and the products and services that you deliver. And you should feel authentically connected to it. And if you don't, as a CMO, I suggest you leave that company and find one that you do feel that feeling for. Because if your job is to translate the value, values of the business, the values of the products and services that it delivers, and you do not connect with them on an emotional level, then I don't understand what you're doing. Is there anything that you're sick and tired of hearing about or a, a marketing buzzword that makes you want to puke right now? An untrackable, bloated 1995 invention that now serves as the golden treasure on the other side of an ugly paywall. How about fuck off? Only if you've designed it. <laughs> Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you um, want to make sure that we do today? No, I think so. Um... Well, it's been it's been a fun it's been a fun little chat and um, I really appreciate you taking the time. It's quite nice to take a moment and just have someone who's other than that's not my therapist that will listen to me rant. <laughs> I'm happy to serve as that person. <laughs> Do you have a signature or favorite toast to send us out? Just a classic. Cheers, because I'm from England anyway. So cheers. Well, I'll drink to that, Simon. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thanks again to Simon for joining us on the show. If you want to try Simon's El Pepino Margarita, we're giving away a limited number of cocktail kits to our listeners delivered straight to your door. You know you're embarrassed with how often you've been hitting up the liquor store since you've been working from home, so why not take us up on the offer? All you have to do is go to cocktailcourier.com slash sasshalffull and use promo code CONNECT to claim a free cocktail kit. Again, cocktailcourier.com slash sasshalffull and use promo code connect to claim a free cocktail kit. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Until next time, bottoms up. <laughs>